Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here. Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It is episode 20. That's right. Alexander Steen episode. I don't know if, you know, again, we keep saying this, you know, I don't think we can really go to the go. Anybody else here other than Alexander Steen, you know, drafted first round 24th overall here in the 2002 NHL entry draft here by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He goes on to play over 1,000 career games between the Maple Leafs and the Blues, 245 career goals, 622 points. The, the man is just a, a legend here at this point. I mean, just world-class player, um, Stanley Cup champion. Um, he won an Olympic silver medal here at this point. You know, and then he also was a part here of the um, the SHL championships here as well. Um, so, I again, I don't think you can be able to go anywhere else here other than Alexander Steen for episode 20. Yeah, I don't think there was even another option to really consider. I mean, you just think about... What he did for the Blues, a stat that's relevant with him is the fact that before Buchnevich scored 30 goals this season, he was it was the first, the last one to do it was Steen, I believe, in 2014 to score 30 goals other than Tarasenko. So yeah, um, that was a relevant stat with him. Obviously, being able to win the cup with him still on the team was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a trend because we saw that with episode 19 as well before this one where a guy that, you know, was with the team for a while. Yep. Aging player and uh, gets the cup. And uh, there were two highlighted players in that team that people wanted to see win the cup. And it was a a great moment when they did. Uh, But before we get into it, I'd like to thank the listeners. Remind to hit that subscribe button, whatever it may be, you can do it. So you don't miss a single show. Give a five-star rating if you love what we're doing. Leave a comment. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBN Pod and share the podcast on social media so other Blues fans can find us as well. This episode... We recorded uh, most of the episode with Haynes Evans, who covers the Hockey Riders yep. or covers the Arizona Coyotes for the HockeyRiders.com. It'd be interesting if we had somebody covering the Hockey Riders. I don't know if that would be for the Hockey Riders, <laughs> but somebody uh, on the inside covering the site. But um, yeah, it was a good a good interview with him talking about the Coyotes yeah. and kind of the direction of where they're going and how it relates to the Blues this season since they are in the same division. Obviously, it's the first part of our, our summer series where we're interviewing uh, people from, you know, the other side of the fence in terms of teams in the central. So we'll have one coming up with, with every other team in the central after the coyotes, which is where we started. I believe the next one is the Blackhawks. So yeah, yeah we'll get into that Blackhawks one. Blackhawks here next, next and then Colorado. Yeah. I'm excited here for this, you know, going behind the enemy lines, um, just kind of recapping the season here in and of itself and uh, just kind of previewing here what next season will look like. And so um, Haynes had some really interesting opinions here as far as, um, you know, what he should be expecting here for the Arizona Coyotes and um, the draft. And and so it's just great, great insight. If you have the chance, definitely go give him a follow. Um, be sure to be able to just listen to the whole thing here. I mean, again, just some, some great insight here from him. Yeah, and it's a little bit unique with Arizona. I think them and Chicago are kind of the two teams that you know yeah. probably don't have a chance at all to make the playoffs. I think every other team in the Central, there's an argument to be made for them, whether it's Nashville, Dallas, Colorado, obviously uh, – Winnipeg, you know, so I probably those, forgot somebody. 
those will be the more interesting teams um, that are here on paper. You know, I mean, Arizona, Chicago, like you mentioned, you know, we should, the Blues should be able to wipe the floor here with them. You know, if it's not a series shutout, you know, a, a two to one season here against, um, against Arizona, I don't think is completely out of the realm of expectation, but boy, they got tough here on paper. And so the Blues better be ready and willing to scrap. I think, you know, the next time that, you know, they go up against uh, a guy here like Zach Cassian three times here this season. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be different, no doubt. It'll be different yeah. playing Arizona this year, so we'll find out. And we talked to him, so let's go ahead and throw it over to that now. Uh, without further ado, here is Haynes Evans talking Arizona Coyotes with us. All right, Blues fans, we have – lift off here officially with the summer series as again here as we mentioned we are going to be diving in here each and every single week on a central division opponent and so this week we're going to start off and kick off the uh the series here with the arizona coyotes so we are joined by the hockey writers um writer here itself haynes evans now you are out of south carolina yeah covering the Arizona Coyotes. Please, please, please tell me and Blues fans how in the world that came to be. <laughs> okay. Um, so I got into hockey when I was five. I'm, I'm 23 now, so it's been a part of my life the last 18 years. So when I was five, I was playing basketball. My older brother, who is 25 now, had gotten into hockey when he was two because of the minor league hockey team we had down here. So yeah. at five years old, they were watching TV in the living room, game in the living room saw there was hockey on it was the New Jersey Devils against the Phoenix Coyotes and fell in love immediately fell in love with Martin Moore favorite goalie of all time I'll stay on the hill I don't care anybody says favorite goalie of all time and fell in love with the Coyotes immediately Shane Doan was one of those guys who uh, just the market itself being in an area where hockey's not as traditional at the time hockey wasn't a thing in Arizona it wasn't a big thing so it just kind of resonated with me wanting to you know I want to be a fan of that team that everybody was. I want to be a fan of that team that, you know, everybody considered the outcast, you know, the, yeah. the area where hockey didn't work. So it resonates so well with me growing up. And it was it was just kind of a match made in heaven. I mean, I wouldn't say that the years since then have been perfect by any means for the team, but no. I, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. I, it, I know I get a lot from everybody about the team state, but – uh, I am very proud to be a Coyotes fan. I'm not wearing my hat, unfortunately, but I am I am very proud to be a Coyotes fan. I think anybody who can be able to say at this point that they're a Coyotes fan and can be able to stick by them, especially <laughs> when they're not living in the state, man, I got to give them all the credit in the world here. So, <laughs> All right, boys, are we ready to be able to get in here to a little bit of a deep dive here on the Arizona Coyotes? Yeah. Yep. All right, let's do it. Okay, so Haynes, 25 50 and seven. It's clear to say that the Coyotes missed the playoffs here last year. I think just been looking at that, that record here itself. You guys lost Phil Kessel, Jay Mm -hmm. Beagle, Alex Lachenyak, Anton Strawman, Antron Roussel, and Dimitri Yashkin. But on the flip side, for better or for worse, you guys gained Zach Cassian, Nick Bukestad, Patrick Nemeth, Josh Brown, Troy Stetcher, Blues fan favorite John Gillies, and boy, I'm going to butcher this name. I can never pronounce this. Laurent Dauphin. Laurent Dauphin. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I see that. Former name Coyote. About... Yes. Yeah. So, what do you think of these additions? I mean, it, it, they kind of stick to on par of what you're expecting from the team. I mean, these are guys who you know, bottom third, fourth line pairing guys. I mean, these aren't. Yeah. 
top top pairing guys. You're not trying to win. And, you know, and Kai's fans hate to hear it. There are fans out there that still generally don't understand the direction this team is going. And, you know, it's hard to hear that they're going after guys who aren't going to be goal scorers for this team. But people have to understand that this is the thick of a rebuild right now. You're not trying to win games. At the same time, you're not trying to put the most miserable-looking team on the ice. You still want to draw fans into games and come and watch. And, you know, guys like that do it. Zach Cassian brings physicality to this team. You're getting guys like Nick Bukestad, who at one point was a big-name guy in the NHL. A lot of hope and praise for him of what maybe he could have done. And, you know, they bring in Troy Stetcher and Josh Brown and Patrick Nemeth. And, you know, they bring in a lot of guys who – will help solidify some points that they're missing on some bomb pairing line role guys. And, you know, and then bringing guys like Lauren Dauphin are going to help solidify, you know, the HL spots you're going to have open. So it kind of just sticks on par of what Bill Armstrong's doing here in terms of wanting to keep that main focus on this is a rebuild. This is a team that's not trying to win. This is a team who's trying to compete to get better for the future. But at the same time, it brings in guys that are at least going to excite fans and want to come in and watch. Bringing in guys, like I said, like Zach Cassian, will – get fans excited to come watch at least this team play. I think so. Go ahead. I think at the very least they got harder to play against a little bit yes. uh, with Cassian and Bugstad. And, you know, you add it to a bottom six and and your middle six where you're, you're a little bit more physical, harder to play against. I think that's a, a good way to go about it. And I think mm-hmm. Bill Armstrong should absolutely be trusted uh, to do this job. Like the, the amount of, drafts that he had with the blues before going to Arizona. It's just, he knows what to do. And I know that it's, it's something that, like you said, Coyotes fans probably don't want to hear, but I think that within the next few years, you're going to see some serious improvement. Um, but I, my, my first question that I have real quick here is uh, mm-hmm. how, how does, how do Arizona Coyote fans view the, I don't want to get ahead of it because we'll get more into it later, but just generally, how do they view the chicken situation in terms of he hasn't been traded there's been a lot of mixing rumors of whether they're going to trade him or he wants traded or all that. Like just generally, how do they view it? You know, it's, it's an interesting situation there with, with Jacob Chikrin. You know, he hasn't specifically said himself. He hasn't come out and said, I'm done with the team. I want to be moved. But at the same time, you've heard the comments, you know, he, he wants to be playing hockey past, you know, April, which is everybody wants to, you want to be playing playoff mm-hmm. hockey and he wants to be playing playoff hockey. And, you know, He's still young, and he wants to do in the and he wants to do it sooner rather than later. He doesn't want to be in the later half of his career playing playoff hockey. He wants to be young, competing for the playoffs now, and that's understandable. And you know, it's kind of a crossroads. You know, he, like I said, he hasn't said he wants to be gone, but at the same time, and you know, ownership doesn't say they want him gone. But at the same time, Bill Armstrong's listening to everything that's coming his way, and that's kind of the case with mostly any player. Besides, you know, I'd say maybe two or three on the Coyotes is Bill Armstrong's really is listening to offers on anybody on this team. Why he may not think Chikrin is a piece that he would move, if the right deal came along, he would definitely pull the trigger if it means helping the team in the long run. Because I truly believe, and a lot of Kais fans do, that a trade for Chikrin, you're going to get a pretty big haul in return. You're going to get a lot of pieces that could potentially speed up your rebuild a lot faster. So I would love to see him in Arizona for the long haul. I think he's, uh, you know, he's a great player. He's a strong defenseman. And, you know, he's got a really bright future ahead of him, whether it's in Arizona or elsewhere. But you know, only time will really tell there with that situation on what what their motive is, what their plan is with them. I, I think that he probably starts the season in Arizona. I think that um, he, he could be moved to the trade deadline next season. But as of right now, we don't really know much more than what we've kind of heard from both sides of, of both parties. Well, and one thing I think that's interesting here, too, because I, and I needed to confirm this, Jay Bomeister did not even have his first playoff appearance 
until he was moved to the Blues and he was 29 years old. And then at that point, you know, he didn't even end up winning the Stanley Cup. And most guys, I mean, you look at all these guys, you know, Patrick Marlowe here, you know, as a number one example, you know, they didn't even win the Cup ever in their career. Yeah. And it took Jay Bomeister until he was 35 years old. So you never want to be able to see a guy who potentially, you know, and I'm not com- trying to be able to compare Jay yeah. Bomeister and yeah. Jacob Chikrin. But, I mean, again, for argument's sake, it took the move to finally be able to make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. it took him until 29 years old. You know, I mean, at that point, you know, he had been he started his career at 19 years old with Florida, then got moved to Calgary, then got moved to St. Louis. So between Florida and Calgary, he didn't even make the playoffs. Took him 10 seasons to be able to make the playoffs. So I get it that Coyotes fans are going to be frustrated. I get it that, you know, he may be frustrated and not want to be able to to, to miss out on the playoffs and be able to have his whole young career. But if he can be able to stay healthy boy, he's got a lot of time on his hands that he can be able to make he the does. playoffs and be able to, to make, you know, a, a good wave here at this point. So um, looking back here last season, mm-hmm. the Blues went three and one here against the Coyotes, outscoring them 19 to 12. Cairo led the team in scoring here against Arizona with four points in four games, part of his huge breakout season. Four different players led the team in goals with two apiece between Cairo, Costin, Falk and Tarasenko. So to kind of, you know, make a roundabout here discussion with the additions here of Cassian, Bukestad, you know, all of these different guys, I'm really curious to see on how much more difficult it's going to be because yes, the Coyotes might be a beatable team, especially, you know, just comparing the two different teams here on the surface, mm-hmm. but boy, it doesn't look like that these guys are going to go down without a fight and, potentially quite literally without going down without a fight <laughs> in the case of Zach Cassian. So, I mean, Cassian, I think maybe a guy who could get into a fight a week at this point. I mean, over under, you know, fight here like once a week. I don't, I don't think it's, 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 you know, necessarily going to happen, but you know, if you were to say, Hey, Zach Cassian, um, it's Saturday and you haven't gotten into a fight here just yet. So, uh, tick tock, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Okay, we we want to be able to circle back. You know, we kind of touch here a little bit here, like on your forwards here itself. The team is filled with just veteran players, allowing your top prospects here to be the time to be able to grow, mature, and to capable NHLers here at this point. Which I think, especially as Blues fans, have to be able to remember back to like the early two thousands when you had guys coming in, and you're like, who the heck are these? Are we signing them? The Coyotes have a lot of really, really young, talented players who are on the rise here at this point that I think the NHL needs to be concerned here with. So looking out here just at your forwards, I mean, is there anybody, I mean, other than like, you know, of course, St. Louis native, you know, Clayton Keller here at this point, is there anybody that's potentially flying under the radar here for you guys or anybody who you're expecting you like really big things here from? Yeah, you know, there's a couple guys that, um, you know, people maybe don't take a long enough look at. Um, a guy who really stood out near the end of last season and, you know, really kind of had a good breakout there after a call-up from Tucson last year was Michael Carcone. Um, mm-hmm. He was a guy who came up, played a really big role there in the last part of that season after you lost guys like Clayton Keller and Lawson Krause and Christian Fisher. And you had guys left and right going down with injuries. And, you know, to be able to bring him in was an up and to see what he was just able to do was – you know, it was big for this team. And, you know, he's going to have a role in this team next year. He 
you know, provides a spark. He can score when he needs to. But, you know, yeah. there's some other guys that people didn't think about that this year that, you know, for example, Connor Timmons, who was acquired from Colorado a season ago for Darcy Kemper, played six games and went down with an injury. And he unfortunately has been not able to really escape that injury bug early in his career. But, you know, he's, he's only 24, 25. He's a really young defenseman. He's going to, if he can stay healthy, is a really solid top four defenseman. So he's yep. a guy I'm really thinking the Coyotes want to be keeping an eye on this year. I think if he can stay healthy and keep himself up there, he's got a bright spot this team. And I think even like a guy like Liam Kirk, who the Coyotes drafted a couple seasons ago from Britain, and he's, he had an injury this last year in the AHL and he missed some time. And, you know, a lot of talks been about him recently about maybe him making the, you know, come up to the NHL. He's really working on his game. So I think there's a couple of guys in there on the roster when you really take a dive in there that you look at, you think, you know, these guys kind of flew under the radar a little bit, you know, they could be some bigger name guys on the team this year. And there's some guys like in the sense of, you know, like Connor Timmons, who didn't play much at all last season. He could have a really big breakout year. A guy like mm-hmm. Karel Vamelka, the Kai's goalie, we, came out of nowhere from the Czech Republic and he played phenomenally for a guy who was on most nights facing 40, 50 shots a game while his team was mm-hmm. putting up, you know, about 20. So uh, there's a lot of guys to be excited about for the Coyotes. There's a lot of guys that you wouldn't think to look at, but when you really kind of take a de- uh, in-depth dive, the Coyotes really do, like you said, have a lot of pieces that fly on the radar that, you know, could on a yep. team this season with more ice time really have a more of a breakout role. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So um, let me. So I gotta. I gotta ask a question here about yeah. just the. Let's look at the top six. So, in terms of Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, Barrett Hayden, Jack McBain, how do you how do you assess like the the expectation or the goals for for players like that this season? You know, for that's always a tough area to think about. You know, it's it's hard to if you're coach Andre Torini or, you know, if you're Joe manager, Bill Armstrong to go forward to those guys and say to them, you know, Hey, you know, big year coming up. We're going to need you guys not to win many games, but you know, don't let that deplete you from going out there and playing your hardest. So it's hard in those situations to try to talk to guys like that about, you know, for them, the the overall theme for them is, Hey, you're, you're like Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz and also guys, you're a, a leader in that locker. You're a, you're a seasoned vet. You played, you know, five or six years now, you're a guy in the locker room that people are going to be looking at towards. You're a guy who's taking the next step on the team. You need to be the voice of reason for these other guys. All these veterans that are leaving, you guys are taking their shoes. So for a lot of these guys on these top six, it's more about kind of taking that uh, chance to not only grow their game more and just, you know, honestly take the next step and becoming superstars in the NHL and, you know, being top players on those teams and all that, if for some reason any of them are to be moved. But it's also to – really kind of take a leadership role. This is really what the guys are looking for is who in the locker room that's here for the future, who's going to be the guy that steps forward and takes that leadership role, who's the guy that's the voice of reason in the locker room. So for those top six guys, it's really just playing, you know, the same, playing hard game, come out every night, don't give up, you know, play as hard as you can, put as many points in on, on the score sheet as you can, but at the same time know that you're really, at the end of the day, you're a leader for these younger guys that are coming up that are going to be the future of this franchise. And I think that's one thing that really cannot be undersold or understated here about some of these guys that they've brought in, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, with some of these younger guys that are becoming a veteran status and are looked here as leaders, I, I think, 
I mean, stuff that you're not going to see here on the ice, but I think that's hopefully something that the coaching staff and some of these older veterans are going to be helping to mature and, and nurture the relationships and be able to help coach these guys in the locker room and say, look, you need to be able to do this with the help rally here, your guys, you know, they wanted to give them their space to be a natural leader and be able to do it their way. But I really hope here for Arizona state that these, these veterans, these physical vet, um, grizzled veterans here that have been brought in actually do help out to help bring along these guys, you know, whether it's just for like a season or two that these guys can really be able to speak into some of these younger veterans and say, this is how you help lead a team. This is how, you know, you can be able to get most here out of these guys, you know, I mean, not just say, look, you know, I'm going to grab you by the Jersey here and practice and say, what the hell was that here last game? Or, you know, you need to be able to to get your ass here in shape, you know, at this point, again, they're going to lose games, but you need yep. these guys to, be able to stay with it, be able to just stay motivated here throughout the entire season. And that's one thing, you know, that I really, really hope for Arizona's sake, that these actual veterans, um, these aging guys can be able to help lead them along, be able to do that. So um, let's touch here just a little bit here, like on the defense. Shane Gossespierre, holy cow. I did not see this this season coming around here for him. You know, he found completely a new life in the desert. I don't know if it was just a change of scenery. I don't know if it was the lack of, you know, I'm off the, the eastern coast and I have less attention here on me. You know, expectations are, you know, I mean, it's a combination here of, of anything. Second most points of his career and highest in four seasons. I granted, you know, Jacob Chikrin was injured for a decent portion of the season. Mm-hmm. So it gave him the opportunity to really be able to take a leadership role and be able to help really take point here of this. Is there optimism in Arizona of a repeat performance here from Goss Fair, or is it a well, he's gonna have to earn it with Chikrin, or like, you know, what do you what are you guys hearing here at this point? You know, and he kind of – I kind of go back first with, you know, a lot of people are thinking that he could be moved to the deadline, and, you know, it's completely plausible that he could. You know, anybody I've said for – besides maybe two or three people are pretty much movable on this team. But, you know, he had a really great season, and, you know, like you said, I I couldn't even say more than what you said there. I mean, it was – no one expected. I mean, the Flyers practically gave him to the Coyotes for – almost for free. They gave him – they even include picks in to give – the Coyotes to take Shane Gosper off their hands. And, you know, and and a lot of people didn't expect much. You know, Shane Gosper was a really good – his first two or three years in the league, he really shined, looked really promising. And, you know, and he hit some down years in Philadelphia. And it was, you know, it was a mix of everything. It was coaching, management, ice time. You know, he he lost some motivation potentially with, you know, losing and the way teams were changing everything up. And, you know, I think coming to Arizona, it was a mix of knowing that – he's one of those top role guys on that team. He's one of the older guys on the team. Like we talked about just a second ago, he's a voice of reason in the locker room. He got the majority of the uh, line minutes for defensemen this year with, you know, Chickren being out. He really stepped up as that key number one defenseman for the Coyotes this year. And 22 minutes. That, yeah. Yes. Yes. He, he definitely um, relished having that chance to kind of, you know, take, almost like a rejuvenation of his career is essentially what he got coming to Arizona. It's like he stepped into the fountain of youth and refound his game. And it was just a mix of, you know, it was the ice time. It was mm-hmm. uh, the new coaching staff. They worked a little bit better at the team. It was the pressure of knowing that he didn't have to go out every night and, you know, 
this wasn't a first place Coyotes team that, you know, he had to be a hundred percent every night. You know, he didn't have to, you know, he made his mistakes team. That was understandable. The Coyotes were making a lot of mistakes this past season and it was a growing experience for him. So I think just give right. him that new chance to know that he wasn't thrown in such a, maybe a harsh hockey market as say Philadelphia as compared to Arizona really allowed him to maybe take a lot of weight off his shoulders, kind of get that monkey off his back. And it, and it really showed. So I really think that he, continues where he's going with his game this year. I think that if he keeps it up, I think the Coyotes could easily move him for a nice piece at the uh, trade deadline. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't say nothing negative about his game. I mean, what he's done in such a short time is such a tremendous look for the Coyotes and, and just looks like such an absolute win at the end of the day in that trade. Yeah. yeah. What are you I... – go ahead. I, I just – I honestly love what we're seeing here out of him. I mean, I – especially coming from like a fantasy perspective, it was a huge, I, I took him as like a late round draft pick mm-hmm. just as like, just as late round flyer. And honestly it was probably like one of the best moves that I could have ever have hoped for <laughs> here at this point. So, um, you know, as I was mentioning, you know, like his increase in ice time, you know, allowed him just this massive, massive benefiting role here from it, you know, highest amount here like of his, of his entire career, 22 minutes and 11 seconds here that he averaged 14 goals, 51 points in 82 games. And the fact that he was able to stay healthy and play all 82 games is, is incredible feat in and of itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen here for him. So what are you, what are you expecting from somebody like Troy Stetcher this season? So, you know, Troy Stetcher, um, you know, he comes to Arizona in, in an interesting situation. I mean, you look at the, the you know, the Kai's defensive roster right now. There's 11 guys rostered for this upcoming season for the Kai's. A lot of guys are going to be starting the season down the HL. Cam Deneen, um, Vladislav, uh, Kolya Chonik's probably going back down the HL. Connor Timmons could even start down the HL to get some re- uh, some conditioning going. So the Kai's are going to have a lot of defensemen on the roster this year. There's going to be a lot of guys bumping in and out of the roster, and it's really going to be just on a nightly basis on – who is playing the best is going to be guys who are going to stay in the roster the well. Honestly, guys like Gossbeer and Chikrin, Lockins on the roster. You're not going to really see those guys get bumped out. Guys like uh, JJ Moser and you know Dyson Mayo, probably other Lockins on the roster. Um, but you know those last two roster spots are going to be really big up in the air roster spots. Troy Spencer comes into training camp, arguably one of the best chances of making it as one of those top six defensemen for this team. He brings a lot to the team. You know, he's physical, he's smart hockey IQ, great two-way game. And, you know, he's a really great guy that you want to bolster onto that bottom line of your defense. So I think he comes in with, you know, uh, kind of a chip on his shoulder, knowing that he, I wouldn't say he's coming in, knowing that he's got the spot locked up, but there he is most likely guaranteed probably that bottom line pairing role for defenseman there. But, you know, like I said, the Kai's are going to have a lot of defense this year, and it's really going to be a lot of guys bouncing in and up, just in and out, just depending on how you know how well everybody's playing, what the team's looking like. Yeah, and then who, as of right now, do you think is going to end up landing that backup goaltending position here behind Vilmelka? Um. That's a tough one. You know, fans want to see Ivan Prozatov make the jump to the NHL. Um, okay. He just recently got signed this offseason to a one-year extension. This is pretty much a make-it-or-break-it year for him. He uh, stellar rookie debut year in the NHL, and last year's he has not been great. He's in, been a uh, high two-point-something goals against average. He's a low 900 save percentage. Uh, he's never panned down the NHL. He's had about two or three really good games out of seven or eight in his career, in which he's Looked like he could be a solid backup goalie for the team. 
Um, he probably is going to start the year in the AHL. Being a yeah. make it or break year, the guys have to know that he can win the AHL before they even give him a shot in the NHL. Um, I would say right now your best option going in, uh, if the guys don't bring back Harry Sodery, which I know was talked about for a short bit of time, would be John Gillies. I think he's a guy who's got yeah. NHL experience under his belt. He's played a lot. He's, you know, he's relatively still young. He's mid-20s. He's, you know, he's going to play great in there and giving uh, the Melka relief there. So I think it's I think it's a no-brainer that he ends up coming in. But at the same time, last year we thought the two goalies for the Coyotes were going to be Car Hutton and uh, Joseph Coronar, and ended up being Car Hutton for two games and Karel Vimelka taking over as a star the rest of the season. So you never really know. It's really going to be just who really stands out the most in, in training camp. Now, could I interest you on an on-podcast trade? <laughs> you you want to give your guys a little bit of, of some rest. And the Blues have a very interesting goaltending situation. So could I be able – to just say, oh, I don't know, I'm going to take John Gillies here off your hands and just give you some veteran experience here with Thomas Grice, just straight up. Does that work for you here at this point? Does this does it bode confidence? Because it doesn't bode confidence in me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, John uh, Thomas Grice, former Coyotes goalie, so he's, he's no stranger to the desert. He knows yeah. what it's like to play in Arizona. Um his stage of his career, I don't – I mean, honestly, everybody in their career is looking to win a Stanley Cup. Um, but at the same time, he's a career backup. I mean, he would probably get some solid starting minutes up in the NHL on the Coyotes. So, you know, I think the Coyotes are kind of really open to anything. I mean, I, I think I'd be okay at this point the Coyotes signing an ECHL goalie if it meant that it guaranteed us a couple more losses with a chance of Bedard. So, um I mean, I would be welcome to having him back. I know people have talked about Mike Smith coming back to Arizona. I personally don't hope that happens, nor do I think Mike Smith wants yeah. to come back to Arizona. But, um, yeah, I think that anything's really open to it. I mean, I- I'm excited for John Gillies. Uh, we've had a lot of great success with Devils goalies, obviously being St. Louis goalies with Scott Wedgwood, who was a great success coming from Arizona to Arizona twice and both times breaking sh- losing streaks. So, John Gillies is a is a welcome uh, addition to Arizona. I'm really excited to see him play. He's looked really great in Calgary. He looked really great in New Jersey. He looked really great in St. Louis. And you know, I think he can steal some games for us. But you know, I, I, I'm I'm kind of a risk it all GM on, on my NHL career. I mean, if it if I think it benefits me in the long run, I'm open to pulling a trigger on a deal. So, I mean, if I'm Bill Armstrong, I, I'd probably be listening to you here a little bit on Thomas Grice, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Grice or Gillies, I think either option for the Coyotes. I mean, they're both those guys are going to steal games for you. Yeah. I'm not overly confident in, in Grice here as of right now. I mean, <laughs> we, we've, got, we've got two different goals here in mind, I think, with yeah. these two different markets. And Grice <laughs> right now does not really give me a whole heck of a lot of confidence, especially yeah. if Bennington is either A, injured or B just kind of, you know, loses quote unquote loses his swagger mm-hmm. here a little bit. So I don't I don't know. I don't think, have to be able to see here. I don't think Grice is a is a goaltender that inspires confidence if you're trying to win at this point. Yeah. Uh you know, he's in Detroit. I don't think they were really trying that hard to win when he was there. So that's not yeah. ideal. Uh so before we before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask a little bit about the draft, uh this year's draft. Mm-hmm. You get Logan Cooley, you get Connor Geeky, and you get Maverick Lamaru in the first round. So, how do you view those three? I know Scorching you wrote an article. Fire. Yeah, I know. I know you wrote an article about about those three. Uh, just how do you view it? Do you agree with the idea that they take Cooley over right? 
which I think a lot of people thought that they would anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people thought that that scenario would actually come up, but it did. Uh, how do you assess the three uh, players that they got in the first round, just the overall draft, since it was a very important one and they're going to continue to be important because you got like a, a billion picks in the next three years. So how do, <laughs> how do you view that? Yeah, you know, I, I, for stars, I want to speak for all Coyotes fans and myself that there's no ill will towards Shane Wright on him not being taken at third. He's a great player who's going to have a outstanding NHL career in Seattle, and he's going to do such great work with uh, with Matty Beniers in Seattle. And I wish him the best of his career. But at the same time, a lot of people saying the Coyotes were foolish for passing over him. I, from the get-go, from what I heard from all – from months and months in advance, Logan Cooley was their guy. If he was available at three, they weren't going to pass up on him. He – has spoke so highly of Arizona. He wants to be in Arizona. He has said in numerous interviews he wants to be the guy in Arizona. He likes guys like Clayton Keller. He'd want to play with guys like Clayton Keller. And he just – he hit every point that Bill Armstrong wanted in guys. He wanted guys who want to be here, and he wanted guys that can change the pace of games. And Logan Cooley can do both of those. And he's a small guy mm-hmm. like Clayton Keller, and Clayton Keller is, you know, developing in, in his own self into a great NHL star. So – Bringing a guy like him in was a no-brainer. Uh, Shane Wright would have been a great addition to bring him in, too. But Logan Cooley you, is easily the best player the Coyotes have ever drafted in their franchise's history. I will say it. They've never had a, I would say, a guaranteed franchise player drafted out of the draft like they got in Logan Cooley. I think he's got a very great, long NHL career ahead of him. Um, Connor Geeky, if people haven't seen my tweets, I am all over the moon about Connor Geeky. Um, he is like my savior on my NHL franchise mode. He's going to lead my team to a Stanley Cup. I'm fully convinced on it. Um, Carnegie, he's a great player. I mean, he's got areas to work on. He's not the fastest kid out there on the ice. Um, but he, you know, he really uh, works you over with his strength and his skill. And, you know, he's a smart player and he drives hard to the net and he knows how to crash and he's quick on transition. So where he lacks in, he makes up with, with a lot of skill and a lot of, you know, just smart play. So, He's a guy that I, I don't know if he comes right into the NHL right away as quickly as maybe say Cooley does, but um, he's going to be a guy who's going to be a top six player for the Coyotes. Um, Maverick Lamaru, a little bit different scenario with him. Um, I think he's a great bring him in. Six seven kid is by any means not short. Um, he's got Zendino Chara references on his height there. He's a great player, but he will be out of the top three first picks. And I mentioned it. He is going to spend the longest time um, developing his skill. He lacks a lot of stuff in his game. He's, you know, weak in a lot of areas and all that. And, you know, he's, he's smart when he's got the puck, but he's not always the smartest without the puck. And he is careless sometimes in his own zone. So he's going to have to earn his way to the Coyotes. He's not a guaranteed being a first round pick. He's not guaranteed to be on this team. In the next few years, he's going to have to work on his game. He's going to have to improve himself down in you know in the CHL. So um, I'm excited. I mean, it, it's an exciting time to be a Coyotes fan. These last two drafts have been nothing but great. Next year's draft is honestly the holy grail of picks. And for Coyotes fans, as much as I want Bedard, I'm going to be the guy who self-jinx us here. We're not going to win the first pick, most likely because – why would we win the first pick? <laughs> it's I mean, we we've seen that happen too many times where we should have been the first pick and we fall to pick number three. So I don't think Bedard ends up in Arizona. I'm just gonna be realistic. If it doesn't, then I'm happy with being wrong here. But I don't want to say that we're gonna get it and then be wrong. So uh, it's exciting times. The the Coyotes' future really is gonna be built through these drafts, and it, it started with last year's draft and this year's draft. The biggest one for the Coyotes really with the bulk of the rebuild going on now this was the biggest draft for them in terms of really getting that rebuild in full motion so i'm excited it, Kai's fans should be excited um it's you know like you guys said real fast on the reiterate 
this Kai's team on paper most nights looks like a team that anybody can beat, but you'd be very surprised how hard it is for a lot of teams. A lot of coaches say it's very hard to play this team. The Coyotes are a feisty team, and that's what they play off mm. of right now, being a rebound team. They're feisty. They, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, probably would not like me mentioning how many times the Coyotes have beaten them in the last years compared to they beating us. But um, it, it, it is. It's 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 going to suck the next few years. I'm excited about a lot of things. Uh, potential arena coming in Tempe, uh, exciting. I'm excited for the 5,000 C arena this year. I think it's going to be an atmosphere you're never going to see in the NHL. I think it's going to bring in a lot of people. They're easily going to sell it out, despite what people say. They're not going to do it. They're easily going to sell out that arena. Um, but yeah, I think the the future is bright in Arizona for sure. And I, and I'm looking forward to a lot of exciting matches with the Blues this year. I'm a St. Louis fan, so if the Coyotes lose, I win regardless. So <laughs> the end of the night, I, it doesn't really. If the Coyotes are on a losing streak, they want the Coyotes to win a little bit more than the Blues that night. But if the Blues really need those two extra points, I'm going all for the Blues. So in the, the night, I, whoever wins. I get to pat myself on the back and have a beer to celebrate regardless. So uh, <laughs> no skin off my teeth, but yeah, it, it's an exciting time. That's awesome. Hey, really fast before we wrap up yeah. here. I mean, this will be the last one here for me, Ethan. I don't know if you have anything else here for him. Um, so you are a writer here with the hockey writers. I mean, mm-hmm. is there anything particular that you're, that you're working on here at this point? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually uh, two paragraphs away from finishing up my newest article today. So I'm, Currently in the middle of doing an off-season player review. I'm not doing any of the newer guys coming in, guys like uh, Zach Cassie. None of those guys are going to be mentioned in my article. This is going to be solely based off guys who played the majority of last season. We're opening night roster last year. Um, Phil Kessel, I haven't decided what I want to do there yet with that situation. Uh, probably will write about him. Uh, by the time I do, he might be signing somewhere. Hopefully for him, he does find somewhere to go. But, um, yeah, I'm just working on some off-season review pieces. <laughs> I'm working on some off-season review pieces. Nick Ritchie is going to be coming today. If not this afternoon, later this afternoon, he will be in the morning. Um, lots of big other guys coming up. Dyson Mayo, we're getting to the really good half of the team. So we've got J.J. Moser coming up, uh, Nick Schmaltz, Lawson Krause. My favorite, Clayton Keller, is going to be last because he's unbiased towards him. But, um, yeah, I got a lot of other things, a lot of, uh, you know, early season predictions coming up, roster, uh, you know, some – insights and predictions on what I think who makes a roster who you know like you guys said who may be that backup goaltender of Amelka this year so just a lot of offseason stuff coming up for the Coyotes I'm trying to navigate this all by myself with Pat being gone so bear with me as I try to stay on task with everything on, on top of working and playing hockey and doing everything else but uh yes I have a lot more stuff coming along the way and I'm hoping now that I have a little more free time I can roll out stuff a little bit faster that's awesome. You've been doing a fantastic job here. So, I mean, I, I greatly appreciate all your coverage here. So, Ethan, I don't know if you got anything else here for him, man. Nope. Uh, thank you for joining us. You can follow him at Haynes P. Evans on the social medias and uh, check out his work, thehockeywriters.com. And uh, thank you for joining us. We hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it so much. All right, thank you to uh, Haynes Evans for joining us to talk about the Arizona Coyotes, and uh, that was a good way to start the summer series in terms of, you know, talking about an organization that is run by somebody who spent a lot of years with the Blues, Bill Armstrong, yep. of course. So there's a trust factor there, especially from the Blues side of things, where, you know, the job that he did when he was in St. Louis, it's a guy that you trust and uh, you think he'll do a good job. Plus, you have one of their players that is front and center as St. Louis native, Clayton Keller. So yep. uh, a lot of ties Should- there. Should we already be able to give out the best hair award from these interviews? The flow that Haynes has here on himself. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody's gonna be able to compete with that. No, no. no. Haynes, that's 
Haynes has a true masterpiece here that he is growing at this point. So dang, that'll be, that'll be a tough ask. Yeah. It's going to be difficult for whoever, uh, whoever else is on the series. So yeah, that was a good way to start the summer series and uh, we'll be coming your way on episode 21 with the Chicago Blackhawks. And who is joining us for that? That'll be Brooke Laferno um, here again, here with the hockey writers. Um, She is going to be helping me and you be able to break down um, the Blues and the Chicago Blackhawks series season series here from last year, and again be able to just preview. Um, there, there's a lot that's that's going to be going on. I'm very very interested. I'm not going to try and get too off subject here with them because there's there's a lot to be able to cover. Um, but she is a fantastic writer um, and be able to do, and does just a wonderful job here, just covering the Chicago Chicago Blackhawks. So um, be able to stay tuned here for that next Monday. Yeah, and it's been a bit bit one-sided between the Blues and Blackhawks over the last few years. And mm-hmm. there's a lot to unpack because you have you have the DeBrinket trade. You have the Kane and Tave situation where it looks like they'll still yep. be there. You have the Seth Jones contract, which is clearly an issue. You have tanking for Bedard, which it seems like they're trying very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot to unpack there. So that'll be interesting. Episode 21. Can't wait to uh, discuss all that with Brooke, of course. And uh, yeah, so that'll do it for us. We will see you next week for episode 21 on the um, on the Summer Series. So thanks for joining us, the Believe Network, the Blue Note Podcast. Follow us on uh, Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at, at M underscore Meyer 3. And we will see you next time for episode number 21 of the Blue Note Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.